everyone. Welcome to the Thundercast. I am your host, Kelton Jacobson. Joined with me today by Parker Haney. Once again, Parker, how we doing? Awesome. Doing awesome. That's great. Hayden Coombs joins us once more. Hayden Coombs, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing solid. Doing solid. I wouldn't go as far as say awesome with enthusiasm <laughs> like Parker did. Oh, boy. All right. Well, guys, we, we had, we pod. It's Monday, June 7th. Uh, Last pod we did was, I believe, the 28th. So it's been a little bit um, of time since we we recorded. And we're going into the second round of the NBA playoffs. I want to touch on, you know, where we predicted, how our predictions went for the first round. But first, um, if you'll enthuse me for for two minutes here, I'm going to go on this this little rant right now because... um, the Lakers were eliminated in round one of the playoffs, and I think all of us kind of predicted the Suns would were gonna gonna pull it out just because of Anthony Davis injury and whatnot. Um, but as the Lakers were eliminated, I listened to all the podcasts the next uh, day from from the national writers, you know, the, the Low Post and and the Hoop Collective, Bill Simmons podcast. Uh, say what you will about those podcasts, but um, each of those podcasts had a different reason for the Lakers losing, and none of it was Phoenix is a good team. Uh, it was either Anthony Davis injury or the bubble or the roster changes that the Lakers made uh, in the offseason. And I found that to be particularly interesting because I remember back in October when uh, the Lakers were adding names like Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell that the, the national media was just going nuts. Like, oh my goodness, they retooled. They, they're so much more balanced now. Montrez Harrell didn't play in that series, hardly at all. And Dennis Schroeder was not great at all in that series. So uh, what do the national writers do, though, when the Lakers were eliminated? Now they're going back on it. Now they're saying, hey, those were never good signings from day one. And I just, oh, it, it bothered me a lot. Uh, own up to your to what you say uh, when you podcast. I was just listening to those recaps of the Lakers season uh, kind of drove me nuts because it was it was always the fact that, oh, they shouldn't have ever made those signings. They should have kept Danny Green. They they should have kept Dwight Howard. They should have kept JaVale McGee. Um, yeah, if you win a championship with them, you probably should. But uh, nonetheless, my rant is going to probably conclude at that. I don't uh, want to go too much into depth with that. But I had a question for you guys that kept coming up in my mind over the weekend. Who would you say the the Lakers' third best player is? Healthy. Let's assume the entire roster is healthy. Well, I think their third best player for this series was probably KCP. But in reality, their third best player needs to be Dennis Schroeder. Right? Like, your your point guard has to be one of your guys. Mm-hmm. Um, with the amount of time that they let him stay on the ball, you know. Um, this wasn't like last year where LeBron was effectively the point guard. They right. let Dennis Schroeder initiate the offense, bring the ball up the court a ton. So I would say ideally it would be him. And he had moments this series, right? Like there would be little stretches where he would score like eight or nine points in a row. And I was like, oh, man, you know, like Dennis is keeping him in this ball game right now. Um, and then there was also game five, I think, where he went 0 for 9 from the field and played like 30 minutes. And, you know, you just can't have that either. But – I also think that it's it's kind of what LeBron wanted, right? Like, people were like, why is Dennis holding the ball so much? Why is he the one bringing the ball yeah. down the floor? And it's like, 
LeBron is 36 years old and just had a high ankle sprain and has played more minutes than anybody in NBA history. Mm -hmm. He's just tired, you know. He needed somebody to delegate offensively to, and when Anthony Davis went down, it was kind of just like, you know, Frank Vogel was like, well, I don't know what to do now. Right. Let's play Montrezl Harrell. Right. And let's, you know, and it just kind of was a crapshoot down the stretch, but. I agree with you. I do give a bunch of credit to the Suns, though, because I think, yeah, I think even with a healthy Anthony Davis, like that's a fun series, especially with the way DeAndre Ayton sure. is playing. Sure, sure. I mean, game one when both of them were relatively healthy, DeAndre Ayton and yeah. Anthony Davis, that was a battle. Yeah, you yeah. know, that was a good one. Um, I would, I would agree I, uh, with with you, Hayden. I think KCP was probably their third best player, mm-hmm. um, and not only you know just in that series, but. Almost throughout the season, you know, when Anthony Davis did go down or when LeBron did go down, they were out with injuries. Uh, yeah, Dennis Schroeder was on the ball most of the time, but KCP was probably their most efficient and effective player. So I found that to be particularly interesting. Like, do you want do you want Contavious Caldwell-Pope to be the third best player on a championship team? Right. Uh, probably not. And, you know, I think that's why we're seeing Denver, who will talk about win games still. Uh, even though Jamal Murray's out and Will Barton's out, you know, it's because they have a third, fourth best player um, with with Michael Porter Jr. And then I don't even know the rest of the Denver Nuggets roster. I probably shouldn't have led with that. But either way, well, Austin I, Rivers. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, That's Austin you Rivers. You playoff Austin Rivers has turned into the new playoff Rondo who can shoot threes. So nonetheless, I just thought that was an interesting point uh, to bring up, you know, these these teams – that are deep. You saw. You're seeing it with Atlanta. You're seeing it with Milwaukee. Uh, that that can go deep into their bench and and pull guys up. That'll that'll make an impact. You know, they're the ones winning right now. And um, so yeah, we'll 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 move on. But I just thought that was an interesting point to bring up. Uh, we started in the East last week, uh, gentlemen. Let's start in the West this week. Um, we'll start with that the one four matchup that's gonna start uh i believe tomorrow tomorrow at 8 p.m the jazz versus the clippers um the jazz pulled uh pulled it out beat memphis in five i predicted memphis in six i believe the rest of us did as well um and then you have the clippers beating dallas in seven we had dallas coming out of that series so we lost that one uh what happened there do you i i'm i know i think i know what happened there but i mean do you guys have any um theories on what why why things went south for Dallas and north for the Clippers I mean the I I I think the easy answer is the Clippers woke up right this is a a team that has two superstars on it right this is a team that's led by arguably one of the five best players in the world a player that has won championship you know championships Mm -hmm. with multiple uh with multiple teams uh so, I mean, what was the stat they kept throwing out early in the series that Kawhi Leonard alone had more playoff games than the rest than of the Dallas Mavericks, Mavericks combined? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something to say about experience, mm-hmm. right? And as amazing as Luca was, and he was amazing, phenomenal, breathtaking, every sense of the word, like, he was so good this series. Right. Once again, who else were their guys? Who was their second, yeah. third best player? Like, should be Porzingis, but Porzingis is throw- constantly <laughs> putting out games of yeah. seven Awful. and three. Awful. Like, 
terrible having that's his height no yeah <laughs> no interest being out there yeah. so they bring Boban off the bench and he's crazy efficient but Love he's also crazy efficient for 10 minutes yeah you can't keep him out there right so uh at the end of the day the clippers were just too deep they mm-hmm. had too many dogs they had too many guys out there that could contribute right and luca couldn't win one on five no no yeah i think I'm with Hayden. Like the simple answer is the better team finally won. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah, the 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 talent finally showed through. You sure. know, Dorian Finney-Smith finally shot his average, mm-hmm. and instead of going freaking seven of ten right. in game one right. and two, yeah. he actually shot how he was supposed to. You know, and Tim Hardaway Jr. finally cooled off, and mm-hmm. like, and then the Clippers roster finally showed up and they finally they shot their up. average. Yeah. They start shooting their yeah, right, average. Right. Like like they're the best team in the league, which they were from three as far as percentage goes. But um yeah, I, I think the simple answer is just the better team won. Yeah. And you know, as great as Luke is and as great as he's gonna be, and I can't freaking wait because it's gonna be so much fun. Sure. But, you know, this Clippers team was just so much better than than the Mavericks team, <laughs> I think I think Luca established himself as what top three player yeah. in the league right yeah, now. Definitely, who's played better than Luca has in the last few yeah. months? I, I mean, other than other than Kawhi Leonard in those last three games for the or the last two games for the Clippers, I don't see any player playing better than Luca. Yeah, and that's not like forget Tyloo intentionally kept Kawhi Leonard off of Luca mm-hmm. the entire game, like. That says something when the best defender in the world is not being isn't being assigned right. this guy, you know. So I, I just he was amazing, but also really weird roster. Yeah, over there, you know, like when your second most important piece is Jalen Brunson, and <laughs> they weren't playing him consistently. Yeah. Right, you know, like. He, Rick Carlisle kind of like lost faith in Jalen Brunson as that mm-hmm. series progressed. It was really interesting to see. He was like see. the Montrez Herald of that series. Yeah. Like someone that everyone in the league loves, someone that has won awards, gets recognition, suddenly just stops playing. Like, it's weird. Weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you start seeing Trey Burke, you know, <laughs> you know things are uh, going south for the Mavericks. I think they're, they're one of the teams that are poised to make a big move. Um, I know uh, the reports came out this morning that uh, KCP's frustrated um, that he's not the quote co-star next to Luca, um, rather than Chris Stapps. You mean? Yeah. What did I say? KCP. KCP. Sorry. Who? Uh, Kristaps Porzingis. He's uh, frustrated that he's not the co-star next to Luca. That he's uh, just a role player. Which hey, like I like like you said, Stay hey, if, if he <laughs> and if you're putting up seven points and three rebounds right. and you're seven foot four. That's Those a problem. Those are numbers. Those are not coaster numbers, yeah. So let's move on to the series. Um, and I'll give my take first, and then I'll give you my prediction. Um, Utah, they they played really, really well. I mean, they won four straight to beat Memphis. Um, Donovan Mitchell back being is huge. I do worry about the Mike Conley hamstring. I think, you know, Dallas and the Clippers going to seven, that helps. But I, I do worry about that hamstring. One thing I will say about Utah is I am more okay with – Mike Conley going out with a hamstring injury than I am Donovan Mitchell going out with an ankle injury. As well as Mike Conley has been playing, I think Donovan Mitchell is more important, uh, particularly against what's going to be this Clipper team where their defense is 
outstanding. And Memphis's defense was great, but um, I, I think you saw the Jazz just in that game one against Memphis. They could not score. They couldn't keep up with Memphis because Memphis's defense was, was too good. I think that's similar to the Clippers. Um, so I, I hope Mike Conley's back. I hope he comes back. Um, the Clippers, on the other hand, they, they kind of started hitting their groove, if you will, uh, in those last two games against Dallas. So this this series should be really, really fun to watch. I do have the Jazz in six, and, and the reason is um, I think as long as the Jazz are healthy, if Mike Conley comes back, I think top to bottom their roster is just more full. I think, I think they have more weapons that can beat the Clippers, and the Clippers have more weapons that can beat the Jazz. Um, I think the Jazz did start coming together um, or have come together after those four straight wins against Memphis. They got back into the swing of things. They know who they are. And then I, I do think Quinn Snyder's a better coach than Ty Lue. And so I think that I think coaching really, really comes out in the playoffs. And I think that that's going to really affect these games moving forward. So I do have the Jazz in, in six uh, in this series. Yeah, I think that not only is coaching so important in the playoffs, but depth is as well. Mm-hmm. We're seeing these deeper teams uh, be the ones that – uh, advance uh, and they're able to weather the injury storm and everything. It, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell being more important than Mike Conley in this series. I can't imagine any series at this point in their career where Donovan Mitchell isn't the more important player. Right. He's he he's reaching that next level of superstardom. And the the thing that gets me is like you know you look at the Clippers and you think oh gosh how can you bet against Kawhi Leonard when he dragged the Raptors to an NBA championship. But then I think about the fits that Boban gave the mm-hmm. the Clippers. And I think about the huge minutes that Zubots played for right. the Clippers. Like with Gobert, that's just a different story. Yeah. You know, like if Boban, who I love to death, is causing your offense fits, imagine what Gobert's gonna do to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. If Zubots is coming in in the third quarter, like I sent out that one tweet, like he looked like freaking Bill Russell out there because <laughs> he got like four or five offensive rebounds in like a six-minute stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not going to happen. So I think that uh, assuming, yeah, Jazz are healthy, they're going to win. But if any of the, the contending teams aren't healthy, I think the Jazz have the best chance of sure. continuing to, to win as long as that injury isn't to Donovan Mitchell. Right, yeah. The only the only thing that scares me, because I do think that the Jazz are just a deeper team, and like we've talked about in the playoffs, depth matters. Um, the only thing that does scare me, though, is what level of stardom is Donovan Mitchell at right now? Because I think that as far as star power goes, the Clippers – probably have the edge but I just think that the Jazz are a better team therefore I want to equal them out and they'll cancel out each other which means in the last five minutes when the game is tied which team is going to pull away yeah and unfortunately the Grizzlies were tied with the Jazz in the last five minutes and Donovan Mitchell rose to the occasion and John Morant isn't there yet right and the Jazz ended up winning those games I don't see Kawhi Leonard backing down from that not rising to the occasion jump from John Morant to Kawhi Leonard in the last five (laughs) minutes is is substantial and Mm -hmm. so we saw in the last three games with the Clippers exactly exactly and that's that's the only thing that scares me I'm not saying that Donnie can't do it right because look at what happened with the Nuggets you know he was I mean he averaged fetching 38 a game granted they did lose that series but 
Donovan has proven that he can rise to the occasion. But, you know, I I, I just have a feeling that there are going to be multiple games this series where in the last five minutes it's a two, three-point ball game. Do the Jazz pull that out? And yeah. I just I, – I don't know, you know. Well, one of my things, though, like basketball – it, like the the matchups is, are so important, mm-hmm. and I look at the matchups between these two rosters, and I think they favor the Jazz a ton because you know I mentioned Kawhi Leonard not guarding Luka Doncic in, in throughout the most of the series, and I don't think that was necessarily because they wanted to save Kawhi for offense because um, Kawhi is an amazing talent, but he's not. Kevin Durant on offense, sure. you know, it's not someone you got to save. Um, I think Kawhi has lost a step. You know, I think he's still the best defender in the world for maybe threes, fours, maybe even fives. But I don't think he can get out on the perimeter full time and guard someone like Donovan Mitchell. No, yeah. No. I don't think, I mean, he couldn't guard mm-hmm. Luka Doncic. And so... Yeah. When you talk about like the Clippers' strengths, do Paul George or Kawhi Leonard have forty minutes of guarding Donovan Mitchell in them? I don't think they do. Yeah, which means they're he's going to be faced with who? Rondo, Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson, and, and maybe know, Terrence Mann. Terrence P- Mann looks P- really Bev. good these last few games, but no one that I would worry about if I was a Jazz fan. So, I, I mean, I know that turns around and. You can say, well, Bouillon can't guard Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know what? Not many people can. Right. So right. push. It's one of those things that you're, you're probably going to let Kawhi get his. You, you, what you, I think you have to limit Paul George. You have to hope Paul George continues his inefficient shooting. Um, he's, he's been shooting you well, know, 30%. I, I know Jazz Twitter jokes about it, and it's something I enjoy watching because I'm not you know a big Jazz right. guy. But there is something psychologically <laughs> when Paul George plays the jazz. Yeah. Like well, when he sees Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. That's yeah. a real he just, thing. He just gets shaken in his boots. Yeah. 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 You know? Like that's a real thing. Right. I no, you're you're right. And and I'm looking at their minutes, you know. I mean, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they're playing forty three minutes a game. Uh that's a lot of minutes um for them to play. And and the jazz, to their credit, have stuck with their rotation. Uh, much through that Memphis series, and that probably is the case when you're playing the eighth seed and you're uh, beating them pretty pretty good in four out of the five games. Um, you're you're probably allowed to stick to those rotations, but um, they they didn't play their their main guys forty plus minutes. I don't think they played them at all. Any of their guys forty plus minutes in any of the games. No. Um, I mean, even in that in that last game against Memphis, uh, Donovan Mitchell logged twenty nine minutes. Um, Rudy Gobert, 33 minutes. And granted, it was a blowout, but still, I mean, that's a huge advantage, you know, that you got going in. So, um, so like I said, I got I got Utah in six. Uh, Hayden, do you want to make a prediction there? I think Utah in six sounds good. I they're, It's going to be a fun series. Yeah. You know, it, it's – I don't think Utah comes out of this unscathed. No. Nope. But I do think that they win the series. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm gonna make a point here, and then my prediction is gonna go against my point. But I just want to say, <laughs> I just wanted to emphasize that you did make a good point, and uh, Jeff Van Gundy joked about it because in Game Six, Kawhi Leonard played like 43 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Then he was like, "Oh, so I think that means a three-day break or a three-day rest is in due for Kawhi Leonard, right? Because he just 
they do take breaks. This Clippers team just the oh, what do what do they call it? Load management. Yes, yeah. the load management thing, right? Yeah. Like they just went seven games, and Dallas gave them really all they could handle. Right. And now they have to come in and play the best team. They have in the a NBA. day off, and then they got to fly to Salt Lake and play. Yeah, in, and in they Salt have to Lake. play the best team in the NBA. And we're talking so about a player like Kawhi Leonard has missed more games throughout his career than Anthony Davis has, and we give crap for Anthony Davis. That, for being that's saying fragile. something. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like that's. Yeah. He needs the load management. Uh, you're right. And, and a player like that is worth it, but. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying. You know, he just went seven games playing, like you said, 40 minutes a game. Luca giving him all he can handle, and I think it's going to be tough. I think he <laughs> genuinely is going to be tired. Um, so, with that being said, uh, oh, man. Say it. Say it. You can. I know you want to. <laughs> all right. I'm going Clippers in seven. Clippers and seven. I, I can't fault you for that at all. I really can't. I mean, it, it, it's like you said, it's stars versus the team. You know, you have two superstars versus a team with a couple good stars. I don't I don't know. I mean, I have my bias, but <laughs> no one would call Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert superstars by any means. So, um, I know LeBron James wouldn't. No. <laughs> well, that's why he's in Cancun. And he gets to watch the rest of the series. So. <laughs> yeah. All he's right, not, let's. He's not uh, watch the jazz games. <laughs> no one watches the jazz games. <laughs> let's let's go to Denver and Phoenix. Denver pulled it out against Portland. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on that series, but God, Nikola Jokic is good. He's really good. And you know what? The Denver team is is they've just stepped up. They they're playing really really well. Um, but Jokic was making some bonkers plays. Just absolutely insane. So um, Denver wins that series. Uh, Phoenix, of course, beats Los Angeles, like we said. Phoenix, man, if Chris Paul's shoulder gets right, I don't see them losing to anyone uh, until they get to the finals. Um, So Denver and Phoenix. Uh, Hayden, why don't you start us out on that one? Well, the one thing that stuck out to me about Denver during the Portland series was as amazing as it was to watch Nikola Jokic and Damian Lillard just go – blow for blow, just like mm-hmm. an old-school heavyweight boxing match. Like, they just went, obviously not guarding each other, but just right. constantly just swapping blows. Um, Denver is so much better with Jamal Murray. <laughs> they really are. And Denver needs Jamal Murray to beat the Suns. And Jamal Murray's not available, so I just don't see them beating the Suns. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Suns... We're on a different level than the Blazers were this year, and much like we just said, like the the Blazers really stuck with the Nuggets, and they did some really interesting scheming stuff against Jokic, and none of it worked. I don't think Frank Kaminsky will fare any better no, than I, Yusuf Nurkic. Nor did. nor DeAndre you. Ayton, to be quite honest with you, I don't think DeAndre Ayton will do no. that well against him either. No, so. I don't know. I just, I just can't imagine. I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like Jokic is amazing. He's going to get his. He's going to put up big numbers. But you also can't rely on Monty Morris, Monty Morris. and Austin Rivers mm-hmm. to come and clutch for you. Right. Like they're going to do it once or twice in the series, but that's going to result in one or two wins. Right. Yeah. I. 
Their numbers haven't gone down horribly, but that's because Michael Porter Jr. has just been playing really, really well. Yeah. But I 100% agree with you. Coming down the stretch in the final two minutes of the game, there's a difference between Austin Rivers shooting the ball, Michael Porter Jr. shooting the ball, and when Jamal Murray has the ball in his hands. You know, yeah. Like, there's just a different feel to it. There's a different head game when when you have Jamal Murray on the floor. Um, well, and, and the Nuggets brought out a lot of stuff to guard Damian Lillard. Right? They did. They, they, they pulled did. up Aaron Gordon to do it for a mm-hmm. bit. Like, it's this is all stuff that the Suns have been preparing for now. You know, right. like Devin Booker knows he's going to see some similar stuff. Yep. But once again, you do that to Devin Booker, who's that leave to stop Chris Paul? You know, so yeah. um, once again, matchup wise, I think that a lot of these matchups just favor the Suns in terms of how they play. They're going to be able to pull these dudes way out of the paint. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, that being said, Jokic is playing like yeah. the best player in the world right now. You know, uh, the Blazers. When it came down to it, no one just no one could hit shots other than than Dame in those last few games. Um, they got to let him go. Uh, As an Oregonian, they got to free that man. Oh. Let him win a little bit. That poor man. He looked. I felt so bad. For so him. bad for him. I mean, in that what was it? Was it game five or game six when Denver pulled it out? And double overtime, it was they didn't go six, they didn't go seven games. So I think it was game five. Um, when Dame hit those two crazy shots, you know, to send it into both overtimes, and then every time he would pass the ball, something bad would happen yes. for the Blazers. CJ McCollum stepping out of bounds. Robert Covington missing two dunks. Uh, you, oh, poor, poor, poor man. Oh, that poor. You got man. this dude dreaming of the days when he had Al Aminu. Yeah, like come on, <laughs> that's a uh, problem. I know. Um, so, anyways, go, going back to to Denver and Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix is really, really good. They played really, really well uh, against the Lakers. Um, I think Jokic is going to get his. Um, you know, I'd be I I'd be remiss to say that this series isn't isn't going to be entertaining. I think Phoenix is ultimately going to come out of it, uh, just because I think Chris Paul is going to. I think Chris Paul can take over the game better than Jokic can take over the game. That's nothing to 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 say bad about Jokic. I just think it that's Chris Paul's game is he says, okay, my turn. And yeah. he, he dictates where everyone goes. He dictates the whistle some of the time. So I think Phoenix is over, uh, is eventually going to come out of this one. I don't um, know if I agree with that. Okay. I think that the, when, when Jokic has the ball anywhere on the floor, he almost demands a double team. Otherwise he's going to get a bucket, you know, most not of the time say, he still does that, get a bucket. Yeah. Not saying that Chris Paul doesn't, but like, Half the time, I guess not even half the time, down the stretch in in game five and in game six, they just tossed it into Jokic at the high post. And mm-hmm. granted, Carmelo Anthony was guarding him. But, like, now the entire Blazers team just sits there and watches Jokic. And what are you going to do? Yeah. Because he's just going to make the right decision. Yeah. He's going to no, those he, last few games, literally all they could do was foul him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going to through their entire line of He's going to beat six, you. Either way, like you send a double and he's going to make the right play. You don't send a double and he's going to get fouled, go to the free throw line, or make it, or do both. He's going to get fouled and make it. Like Right. Now, with that being said, like I want to know your guys' opinion. What is – does Jay Crowder stand a chance against Jokic? I, I, I don't know if I hate that matchup. Well, <sighs> Jay Crowder's just annoying. Like, he's a pest. 
I, and, I, he's, mm. and he's just going to be, like, tough, right? Like, even if Jokic wants to get in his position, Jay Crowder's just going to shove him all the way out to the three-point line. You know, I'm I, not saying that Jokic can't go to work from there either, but, like, he's going to do a hell of a better job than Carmelo Anthony did. Oh, sure, sure. Car- yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I, But I, I don't know. I, I think... I don't think you can have anyone under six foot ten guard Nikola Jokic successfully. Yeah, um, that's got to be Aiton at least to start. The it's got to be Aiton, and then I'm sorry, as as bad as he is, if if Aiton gets in foul trouble, you're gonna have to bring Frank the Tank off the bench, and <laughs> he's gonna have to body him up for five minutes or something. I don't know that you put Crowder on him because Portland tried to put Rocco on him, and Jokic destroyed him, and and yeah, I'm and not sure that Jay Crowder's that much better of a defender than Robert Covington. Really. Yes. Oh, man. I think he is. You think uh, Jay Crowder's a better defender than Robert Covington? A, a better off-the-ball defender? Absolutely. Mm. Watching him on, on LeBron, like he said, that the pest factor, I think that that was huge. And I, But for that same reason, that's why I don't put him on Nikola Jokic. I put him on Michael Porter Michael Jr. Michael Porter Jr. Because that dude is so weak mentally right now. Oh, He's still man. so fragile. <laughs> He's going to, yeah. like, that's no, one less you. person. Yeah that Jokic is going to be able to dish the ball to. Yeah. And I have no faith in Aaron Gordon bringing consistent offense. No. So let or Aaron Gordon do his thing. I sl- or just get Michael Porter Jr. out of the game with Jay Crowder. You know, let Aiton pick up his fouls. But, mm. I mean, that, let's not shy away from the fact that Aiton looked great against Anthony he did. Davis. He did. He really did. This, this, this series has really, really fun matchups, I think. I will say one who's thing guarding for me, who? my level of respect for Chris Paul took a big jump watching this last series. Like seeing how Houston or excuse me, how Phoenix played with him versus how they played without him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if Chris Paul is healthy, I could see the Suns winning this in five games. Sure. If Chris Paul's not, I could see the Nuggets winning it in four. That's how important yeah. he is. Yeah, he is. He is. Um Let's move on to pred- predictions for the series. I am go- going to take the Nuggets. Or excuse me, I'm not going to take the Nuggets. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take the Nuggets losing. I'm going to take the Phoenix Suns winning uh, in, in five. I don't think it'll be too competitive, personally. So, Phoenix in five, in, in my opinion. I got I got the Suns in six. I think that Jokic is good enough. He's just been playing at an MVP caliber to get two games, and I think that, that he's going to be able to do that. Um but I do take Phoenix in six. And one thing that we forgot to mention is that Devin Booker is just playing out of his mind right now. He's so is. good. And like, so good right now. As as the leaps that Jokic has made on defense have been awesome, but if you put him in a pick-and-roll action with Devin Booker, like it's yeah. it's barbecue chicken, you know? So mm-hmm. I really love what Devin Booker's doing, and, and I'm going to go Suns in six. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, for the same points that Parker made, I mean, the, the NBA right now, the the game the way it's officiated really favors guards. Yep. And I think the combo of Chris Paul and Devin Booker is going to be too much for the Nuggets to overcome. So, I'll say I'll say Phoenix and 6. All right. There you have it. That's that's it for the West. Um we'll, we'll come back to the West, you know, after these couple of series and and I I still don't think anyone's beating Phoenix um in the West at this point. But we'll we'll save that for next time. Um Let's move on to the East. We have the number one Philadelphia 76ers against the number five Atlanta Hawks. I think 
Uh, already down one game. Are, yes, so they have played one game. Atlanta won. Uh, if we go back to our predictions, we all had Philly coming out. Um, I think we were split on New York and Atlanta, and that ended up not really being a series. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, that ended up not really being a series. Hayden, you called Atlanta. I think I took the Knicks in seven, Parker. I think you took the Knicks in seven as well because we were just hoping that Julius Randle would figure it out, and he never did. Sure. Um, so... Atlanta wins uh, in five, so now they're playing the 76ers, and they've already stolen a game uh, from the 76ers. So, Parker, what do you think? I have been going back and forth. I guess not. <laughs> it's not back and forth because I think that the Hawks are really, really good. I've been going back and forth on how good I think they actually are. Mm-hmm. And if I want to come out and say, like, do they give this Nets team troubles? And I don't think I want to say that yet, but holy fetch, this Hawks team is freaking good. They are. Especially when they shoot the ball well. And Grand, you can say that about any team, but I didn't know this, and the commentators were talking about it yesterday. They had nine players average double digits this season. Like, that's absurd. And like we've been saying this whole podcast in the playoffs, yeah, depth matters. When you have Tony Snell shooting 50-50-100 splits, like <laughs> he's just going to come in, knock down three threes, and then leave, and then all of a sudden you're down 12, and Trey Young just isn't going to give up a lead except mm-hmm. for <laughs> in the last three minutes of last game. Um, I just I, – I really enjoy watching this Hawks team, and I want to double down on the fact that I think Trey Young is going to be the best player on a couple championship teams because he's been so awesome and so fun to watch. And John Collins is playing really well. Clint Capella, I mean, Joel Embiid had 40, well, 39. And I think that the Hawks, that's kind of the blueprint for them. Right. Let's let Joel Embiid get 40. Let's just, you know, score more points than that. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they, they let Joel Embiid come in, and he got 39, uh, 9, and 4. Uh, three blocks. So Joel Embiid, you know, put up MVP numbers, MVP candidate numbers. Um, but it wasn't enough, you know. Yeah. It, it wasn't enough. I think Clinton Capella's put together just a remarkable last half of the season and, and so far into this playoffs. I mean, he's only put, he only put up 11 and 10, um, but just his defense is tremendous. He's really the anchor there because really no one else on that Hawks team wants to guard. Um and, I mean, they do allow a lot of points, but, hey, all you need to do is limit them enough for out, for Trey to outscore them, and I think Clint Capella's doing that. Yeah, well, he just, he just like, he helps Trey Young a lot too, right? Like, what James Harden and Clint Capella showed us is that, like, the dunker spot is so valuable mm-hmm. when you have a point guard who can beat somebody off the dribble. And so Trey Young can has that floater in the lane available because of what Clint Capella can yep. do. And mm-hmm. so – Right, even though he only had eleven and ten, I think you said like, or eleven and nine something, but like you know he 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 impacts the floor and spacing in other ways, and Trey Young is able to go get forty or thirty five like he did. Right. Yeah, and I think also when you look at Clint Capella, like, sure, Joel Embiid is going to be able to put up thirty a game if. You just one-on-one him with Clinton Capella. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be an easy 30 points. No. Capella's going to make him work. Capella's got that that reputation already in the league. So uh, I think he makes life very, very hard on the Sixers. And we don't know how healthy Joel Embiid is. Yeah. yeah. You know, like there are so many weird reports out there about 
what's going on with that team health wise. So, um, my biggest thing in game one, I was very confused why we didn't see more Matisse Tybel. Yeah, that was a real. You got yeah. Trey Young doing his thing, mm-hmm. and you have someone who, like, super young. Yeah. But he very well could be the best perimeter defender in the world right now. Like, y- you let him try. Yeah, it was almost like Doc Rivers said, you know what, I'm going to try to go blow for blow offensively with this Hawks team, and I don't know that you can. I don't think there are many teams that can go blow for blow offensively with this Hawks team. Not with the team that is completely centered around shooting threes. Yeah. That's all they do. They got Capella, and then they got 13 guys that can Mm -hmm. shoot threes. There there would always be a time where the Sixers would get like four or five stops and then get some buckets and then – Herder would just come down and knock down a three in the corner. John Collins would hit a three in the corner. Yeah. And I was like, it's impossible to come back against this team because you're going to give them four chances to make a three and they're going to make two of them. Like, yeah, they're, they're a good team and it's, it's fun. I think, I think Doc Rivers will pull some, some different matchups to try to, to limit Atlanta's guard play, particularly with Herder with, with young, obviously. And then with, uh, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich because you're having Ben Simmons and Seth Curry chase around Trey Young for 37 minutes a game. You can't be doing that. So I think you're going to see more Tyrese Maxey. You'll see more Matisse Thybul, and you'll see more George Hill maybe um, in, in game two. And we'll see if that makes a difference. I think, I think the way Philadelphia wins this series is if they decide to clamp down defensively and not try to go blow for blow. Um, because I don't think you can do that with this Hawks team. Also, real quick, can we talk about Ben Simmons' foul shooting? (laughs) Jeez. Three for ten. Listen, I look for any opportunity to clown on Ben Simmons. So, uh, obviously, you're not winning any championships if you can't make a free throw, right? Right. Did you see his comments after the game, too, about how uh, he needs to be given more of an opportunity to guard Trey Young? I didn't. Trey Young wouldn't have those numbers if he's able to guard him. But then he said if the referees let me guard him. Oh, please. And so and on, for me, that, that that comment just killed me because, like, it goes back to, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit older now. I'm a Jordan guy. And the constant argument you get into with people is it's like, okay, if Jordan played in today's game, he would get 40 foul shots a game. Hand checking's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to we're going to remember him as the greatest scorer of all time because no one would be able to stop him from scoring every single drive, right? But you know what? We don't really know that because we never got to see that. Yeah. Ben, hand-checking rules have been in effect since the mid-2000s. Quit your crying. Right. Like, yeah, if you played in the 90s, your defensive schemes could stop Trey Young, but they can't anymore because the NBA has changed rules that favors these physically weak players, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing worse than be a basketball player in the NBA right now who's strong and doesn't bounce off of people. Right, yeah. So quit your whining. You can't keep up with him. Nope. Try Tybal. That's the only thing they can do to slow him down at this point. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Such loser comments, you know. It it really is, and and he's been making them all season. And don't get me wrong, he's a talented player, and I think he's uh, probably the most overrated player on NBA 2K. Um, but that's not for this podcast. He's so good on NBA 2K; it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can't go three for ten uh, and, and expect to win playoff games, especially when you're shooting the second most free throws on your team. Those are Doncic numbers, man. I mean, they. <laughs> 
The Philadelphia ends up losing by four, and Ben Simmons could have accounted for seven the seven of those points and one by three if he would have made his three free throws. Did you guys see that play at towards the end of the game? You miss it. Go for it. <laughs> when he missed the free throw? No, when oh. uh, Atlanta was inbounding the ball, and they touched the ball so that clock starts, but then Trey just lets it roll. Yeah. So Philly thinks that. Time's not coming off the clock, but it is. Yeah. They end up wasting a, almost 20 seconds. They end up wasting like 18 seconds. And you just think at the end of the game, like, wow. Imagine what Philly could have done with 18 yeah. more seconds. Like, right. they, and this is the one thing that's like, even though we are really, really stroking Atlanta right now, how good they are and how these matchups are hard. Philly, Atlanta outplayed Philly for three quarters. Yeah, Philly looked good for about ten minutes of that game, and they only lost by four, mm-hmm. yeah. which is why I think a healthy Philadelphia team is going to win the series. Yeah, imagine yep. what they could have done with eighteen more seconds. Eighteen more seconds would have been all they needed to probably win that y- game. If Philadelphia outscored Atlanta forty-one to twenty-nine which in the fourth quarter, takes my point. I think Doc Rivers is probably the most overrated coach in NBA history. Yeah, what did that dude ever do before the big three? Him and Ty Lue. a championship with the big three. Mm-hmm. People act like that was this huge dynasty. Like He didn't win a game with Boston for the 10 years before the big three. Right, and he didn't win a game in Orlando, and he didn't win a game here or there. Like, a, a good coach would have figured that out. Right. You know, they're not getting outsmarted by Trey Young. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Uh, I'm, But with all that said, yes, we are stroking Atlanta a little bit right here. Uh, Philadelphia, they're going to come back. <laughs> I don't know that Atlanta wins um, another game as long as Joel Embiid is healthy. So I'm, I'm if with Joel Embiid healthy, I am actually going to save Philadelphia in in five. I don't think Philadelphia is going to get clowned another time. I really don't. I as good as Trey Young has has been, and as good as this team Atlanta team is, I just think there's something about Philly that they're just going to turn it on, and, and and we've seen it this season throughout the season. Um, as long as Joel Embiid's healthy, I think I think it's Philly in five. I really do. Uh, I I think Atlanta still wins one home game. I'll do Philly in six. But uh, like I said, Atlanta can do everything right, and it still could not be enough to stop a healthy Sixers team. Right. I'm going Atlanta in six. There you go. Wow. There you go. See, this is why we bring Parker on the podcast. <laughs> one, one, because both of you guys mentioned if Joel Embiid stays healthy. and I Such a big if. I it's just a huge don't know if. if he can. You know, he, it literally came out that the x-ray proved that he had a torn meniscus, and he's playing with a torn meniscus, and he's like 280 pounds, and mm-hmm. 280 pounds, 7-2 on a torn meniscus. I don't know if that holds up playing 40 minutes a game. You, you know, know, you bring up a good point. I, we saw it with Anthony Davis in, in game six where he had that hurt hamstring or that hurt groin, groin. and he paid, he played what three minutes? Yeah, he had no business being out yeah. there. So you you bring up a good point. Um and then also I will say that I just think that Atlanta is going to do something better like not that it even needs to be a serious change, but I think Nate McMillan is going to be like, "Okay, when they pick us up 94 feet away from the basket, this is what we have to do." We have to not inbound it to the corner. We have to not pick up our dribble in yeah. the corner. We have to not get trapped. We have to have somebody flash middle. Like, down the stretch, it was all pretty simple things. They had, like, ten turnovers in the fourth quarter or something, and all of them happened in their on their side of the floor, you know, yeah. like, in their backcourt. And it's just, like, I think that they are pretty simple changes to make 
Um, with that being said, like obviously Philly came storming back, and I completely agree with everything you guys have said that Philly is a very good team. And but I just I think that the Hawks can make a few changes here and there, and then I think it's going to be Hawks and six, especially because Joel Embiid isn't going to play. There you go. This is a you know like. Basically, the only thing I have to offer this world is my random NBA draft stories and knowledge. Um, <laughs> do you guys remember Dwan Blair? Of course I remember Dwan Blair. Out of Pitt. Big man who was not big. I mean, he was big, but he was only like six seven. He was on those San Antonio championship teams. Yeah. I remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but like going into the pre-draft process, Dwan Blair is like a late lottery guy. And then they do his medical tests and reveals he has absolutely zero ACL left. <laughs> Like, there's just nothing there. You know, uh, let's bring him back in and get some more x-rays. Something's wrong with this. No, no, no. He's just missing, like, half of his knee, you know, which is why he fell into the second round, why his he had a good career but a very short career, right. you know. <laughs> I, there's just sometimes you hear, like, when they were talking about him beats meniscus, I was like, come on, Dwan Blair played with <laughs> no ACLs. Are you comparing Joel Embiid? for a few games. <laughs> Hey, your first OL Embiid to Dewan Blair uh, comparison. You heard it here first on the Thundercast. There you go. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, last series that we got. Uh, Parker, you and I were talking earlier this week, and, and I tend to agree with you. Whoever wins this series wins the finals. Um, Milwaukee versus Brooklyn. Uh, you had Milwaukee just demolish Miami. Just, just destroyed them. Uh, you had Brooklyn destroy a, a sorry Boston team, which we're not even going to talk about because Boston's not good. Um, Miami, I thought, was good, but Milwaukee just clowned them. Brooklyn has a 1-0 lead so far. Milwaukee played like absolute garbage in game one, um, and they still only lost by, what, four? Eight. Um, so... I don't. I don't know what's to come of this. I. I want to take Milwaukee just because I want to take Milwaukee. I think it's the year of the small market teams, um, so I, I want Milwaukee to go through. Uh, you also have Harden um, getting injured. I think that's huge uh, for Brooklyn. So, uh, walk me through. What do you think as far as this series? Give me your predictions. Give me your X factors. So, not having James Harden would hurt any team, right? I'm not ready for this. That being said, the Nets were kind of prepared for this reality of losing one or two superstars because they won 48 games this season, basically playing one of those guys out there every night. You know, like they got to take turns taking nights off. And it wasn't like (laughs) James Harden gave them 30 good minutes, then went out with an injury. So you're like, oh, well, we'll see what they do with them next game. James Harden left like 20 seconds into the free game. Played, he played a total of 43 seconds. Yeah. So they played the entire game without him. So I don't know. I, I think obviously the Nets have a much better chance to win when you have a player like James Harden out there. But I also think that uh, the Bucks crowd should be nervous that even a weakened Nets team made them look bad because there's having bad shooting bad. nights. There's, you know, we had an off night and I get that, but you also got to attribute some of that to the Nets. You it, know, it was, it was one of those rare situations where 
one of their star players went down and all of a sudden their game plan was actually more comfortable. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah, back to what we were doing all season. <laughs> um, no, I I mean, what what can be said that hasn't already been said about the big three? You know, like, okay, James Harden goes down or he has a bad game. We still have KD or Kyrie. All right, mm-hmm. KD is struggling. He's having a bad game. All right, we still have Kyrie Irving. I will go even a step further, and they all have a bad game, and Joe Harris is still going to hang 29 <laughs> points on your head and shoot 60% from the field. Right. I want to I, I want to focus on their role players because – Blake Griffin was the Blake best Griffin, player. Yeah. Yeah. Blake Griffin was great. Blake Griffin and Bruce Brown, they all just care. Like, they all just want to win, and they're just like – it's so annoying that Bruce Brown literally thinks that he's the best player on the floor anytime he's out there, and it's like – you're playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and he's like, yeah, but, I mean, to be honest, I'm like the best one out here, and I'm going to try really, really hard. Right. And I'm going to play really good on defense, and I'm going to do all these things right. And it's like all of their role guys just want to win, and I, I genuinely think like that is what's going to separate them from the rest of the field moving forward is just like their whole team is just about it. And I want to give a huge shout-out to Steve Nash because I think that – He's a big part of that. What a job he's done. Oh, my gosh. He, he, he literally hasn't even had his roster for, like, 70% of the year, and he's got guys coming in and out. LaMarcus Aldridge plays four games and then retires, like, and he's just weathered it freaking perfectly. Mm-hmm. Steve Nash has been a stud. He has been great. Uh, the hero, uh, while I agree, Blake Griffin was probably the best player on the court in game one. The hero was actually Mike James. Um, listen, listen to this. Mike James' last three games before – this before this game last, last night's game or yesterday's game uh was it saturday saturday's game excuse me uh june 1st brooklyn versus boston he played one minute may 30th brooklyn versus boston he played one minute may 25th brooklyn versus boston he played eight minutes okay he didn't play he didn't he didn't even play in uh game four that the uh, Boston won. Mike James didn't. And then he comes in last night, and he plays 30 minutes. Um, He scores 12 points, gets seven boards, and three assists. I mean... Who's who is that guy? I don't. I, I've never heard of him until you until Saturday. I was gonna bring him up just barely, but I kept wanting to say Mike Bibby, and I was like, I know it wasn't Mike. Bibby. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't so, even remember the dude's name. <laughs> Mike James is one of those guys that's been in and out of the league for years now, right? He's your classic example of is he good enough to be a all year player in the NBA? Absolutely, he can make way more money in Europe or mm. China than he can making the half of the mid-level exemption here, right? And, uh, you know, he, he kind of has valued getting paid while he still can over being a 365-day-a-year NBA guy, right? right? Um, but because of that, it has made him uniquely qualified for this because that is European basketball in a nutshell. Mike James goes out there and scores 98 points, and then the next game his coach doesn't play him for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, that is the playing basketball abroad lifestyle. So, he's like, he's he was made for this. Like, he's okay coming off the bench and being a microwave mm. because this is a dude that is a very, very, very high-volume scorer in any other league in the world. He has right. the green light on every team he plays for. Except the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And, I mean, in the league, uh, there was a couple years ago, I think it was for the Suns, uh, 
the dude was averaging double figures. Let me pull up his stats real quick. But he uh, he plays 20 minutes a game for the Suns, averages 11 points a game. Mm. Like this, like I said, dude's been bouncing in and out of the league for years. Um, one of those 10-day contract guys. Yeah. Um, he he was made for the, for this role, you know. Like he can he can come in and do this because this is a guy that goes over in the Adriatic League or the Turkish League and scores twenty something points a game. Mm. He's a good basketball player, you right. know. So, um, I'm really interested to see what the rest of his role is like the rest of the series. Yeah. God, I'm right there with you. Talk about the Bucks for for a couple seconds, and I'll give you my prediction. But the Bucks just had a horrible, horrible shooting night. They shot 20% from three. Uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen again in this series. I don't think Chris Middleton's going to go 0 for 5. Uh, Bryn Forbes, I don't think he's going to go 1 for 5. Brooke Lopez only took one. Uh, Drew Holiday went 2 for 7. Bobby Portis only took one. Pat Connaughton only took one. So I don't think that girl only made one. The man of the king of the corner three. Yeah, you know. Uh, And so I don't think that happens again. They they lost by eight because you somehow still got nineteen out of Brooke Lopez, who's kind of channeled, rechanneled his low post days, and then uh, you had thirty four from Giannis. So I don't think I don't think that uh, Milwaukee's going to have as poor of a shooting night again. So I'm going to give you my prediction right off of that. I do think Milwaukee's actually going to, going to take it in uh, in seven. Um, I just think they're shooting as long as they don't have a bad shooting night. I, I think they're going to pull it out. I mean, I, I don't think if you're Brooklyn, you can't expect 12 points from Mike James every night. And and if, if Harden's out, then you're relying on 40 minutes of Kevin Durant and 45 minutes of Kyrie Irving. And I don't know that either of those players can handle that workload for that long. And I don't think Br- Blake Griffin is your number one option anymore. So... I think Milwaukee in seven. Uh, I think this series is going to come down to Drew Holiday versus Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie Irving, much like we were talking about with Jokic and Embiid, Kyrie Irving is going to get his no matter who guards him, right? Um, You know, I'm a big Duke guy. I love Kyrie Irving. I think he is just a phenomenal talent. I, Other than the fact that he's kind of crazy. Yeah. No one has anything bad to say about him. All of his teammates love him. Mm-hmm. You watch that Boston series. Like, that was a problem because those guys still love Kyrie. Right. No one was willing to check him and throw him on the ground, you know? Um, but if there's one player in this league that has historically given him fits, it's Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. He's the only person I've ever seen that can get Kyrie flustered. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound ridiculous because 25 points is a lot. If Drew Holiday can keep Kyrie Irving under 25 points a game, I think the Bucks win. Hmm. But if Kyrie does his thing, he scores 25 a game, I just don't see them being able to overcome to match Kevin it. Durant and Joe Harris. And, mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, so I'm going to say Brooklyn and six. Brooklyn and six. I've done six for... All of the series so far, I'm gonna do it it's again. It's a safe. It's a safe number. That's my favorite number. That was my basketball number. It's a so. safe number. I was just gonna say that because I wanted to say Brooklyn in six, but I was gonna say Brooklyn in five, just because I've done six for every other series. Um, I'm actually kind of in the same boat you guys were with Joel Embiid. I think that if he's already James Harden has already been ruled out for the game tonight, but I think if he can come back, so I'm saying Milwaukee might win the game tonight. 
But then I, I think if James Harden's on the floor and they're big three and they're role guys, like, yeah, Milwaukee shot 20% from three. But, I mean, Kevin Durant can have a better game than he did. Kyrie Irving can obviously have a better game than he did. Sure. And James Harden, they were missing 25 points from him and sure. 10 assists. Yeah. So, I just – Brooklyn is just too much. Granted, that's if James Harden plays. Yeah. I still think Brooklyn wins, but I think Brooklyn wins in five if James Harden comes back. Okay. Next game. Not today. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I hear think you. you guys I'm are the only one taking Milwaukee. We are due for DeAndre Jordan game. <laughs> Sooner or later. He's still a DNP. He's going to be able to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're going to get a 10 and 10 Jordan over. game before this, oh, this, he, this playoff. Is they're going to have to bring him into a guard, Brooke Lopez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a blast back to 2014. <laughs> Brooke Lopez versus DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> Let's oh, not man. forget, like, DeAndre Jordan, he may be making $30 million and not playing. Still the most important player on this team because he got Kyrie, he got Kevin Durant, and he got Blake Griffin. Yeah. He yeah. he did that himself. He did that himself. Like, he's uh, twice the GM LeBron has ever been. What a cat. <laughs> what a cat. Uh, so I'm the only one taking Milwaukee. The rest of you got – both of you got Brooklyn. Um, I, I, I think whoever comes out of this series wins the, the title. Um, so that, that does it. That does it for the semis, the conference semis, both in the East and the West. Uh, we appreciate you coming on with me again today. Uh, boys, we're going to tackle this again when we get to the conference finals. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. So thank you for tuning into the Thundercast. We'll see you next time. Have a good one.